the Tarot Book Club. It's a bonus episode. This is unlike anything we've done. We get to read for bonus points. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Somebody, this is all in our extended attempt to get some personal pan pizzas out of our reading habits for this year. You know, it it works. I'm going to get that pizza. (laughs) I'm determined to use this book club to get pizza. Yeah, there you go. So this is unlike anything we've done before. We were sent copies of the new astrology book, Queer Cosmos, The Astrology of Queer Identities and Relationships by Colin Bedell, also known as Queer Cosmos on Instagram. He is incredible. Esther and I share a lot of his stuff before we are offered this book. And so obviously we jumped at the chance, but we were like, wait, we don't have an astrology podcast. We have a tarot podcast. (laughs) Yeah. So we decided that we were going to do a whole little mini book club episode devoted to this awesome book and uh, put it on our feed like anything else because we want people to hear about it. I mean, tarot and astrology are like cousins in a sense because there's lots of astrology and tarot. So we only know a little bit because we've dabbled here and there but we're by far no expert so this book was really good yeah I think that I mean just to jump right into it I think this was really perfect for somebody like me I guess especially where my astrology knowledge is very surface level Mm -hmm. and there were a lot of moments where I was like oh that's what that means (laughs) yes yes I've read a lot of things, but because there's so many like intricacies, I get overwhelmed very easily. Yeah, I think that's what it is. I've read so much, but I just like shut down every time. Like it's almost like I compartmentalize the astrology knowledge and like (laughs) it doesn't filter in in the same way that other knowledge does. Right. So this book was really good to help like break things down to a base level. I really appreciate that. Like first off from this. Yeah, exactly. So let's talk a little bit about Colin just to start with. Um, So Colin, according to his author bio is a gay Gemini twin twin from Long Island, New York. His website, queercosmos.com was founded to explore queer identities and issues through the lens of universal spiritual themes and astrology. He graduated from the new school with a bachelor's degree in literature and a master's in fashion studies from Parsons School of Design. Colin is the weekly horoscope writer for Cosmopolitan.com, a monthly contributor for Astrology.com, and the author of A Little Bit of Astrology. He's currently serving as the vice president of the Long Island chapter of the astrological not-for-profit organization National Council for Geocosmic Research. And Colin is a hilarious writer. Yes. So I think that we should probably start. So the just like the structure of the book, I thought was really, really effective. Mm-hmm. I am just going to put it out there that I am a straight cis woman. Um, so I definitely don't necessarily align with who this book was written for. But there are certain parts, especially in the queer theory and queer constellations chapters and in the introduction, where his focus on undoing the shame that people internalize so much if they fall outside of sort of like the realm of cliche, normal, Mm -hmm. like mindsets and upbringings, that resonated with me so strongly just because of other types of shame that I've developed over my life. Yes. That a lot of his work on talking about how to find ways to live authentically and break through. He uses a metaphor at one point about like um, people who, this is not my situation. I did not grow up in an abusive family, but people who grew up in an abusive family or in an environment that wasn't the best for them using astrology as like a hammer and chisel Mm -hmm. to chisel away the marble that is kind of like keeping them 
in these sort of like mindsets and not living their authentic lives until they can let the angel within this block of marble fly free, which I thought was like so <laughs> such a beautiful, beautiful metaphor. So beautiful. <laughs> Exactly. So I do feel like we should start by saying that. And then also Esther wanted to talk about what our big three were. So for those of you who know literally nothing about astrology, which I can't imagine you'd be listening to this podcast and have not heard that people have like three big signs. The big three is what people call them. Um, It's your rising sign, which is where what constellation was coming up over the eastern horizon at the moment of your birth. Your sun sign, which is where in the sky the sun was during the month of your birth, basically. And your moon sign, which is where the moon was or what constellation the moon was aligning with during the basically like day of your birth. That's kind of the time frames for those things. So rising is definitely the more like immediate thing Mm -hmm. followed by moon, which is a slightly longer period of time and then sun. So a lot of the times if people feel like they don't relate to their sun sign, like Esther has had this with Leo before Mm -hmm. Leo's her sun sign. A lot of the times your rising sign and moon sign can offer a lot of clarification because they're a little bit more individualized based on your time of birth. Exactly. So I have my son is in Taurus because I was born in May my moon is in Capricorn and my rising sign is also in Capricorn. So I have the double Capricorn situation and all three of those signs are earth signs, which is interesting. That is really interesting. <laughs> I didn't put that together until just now, even though I knew all of that. <laughs> I did realize like, oh yeah, she's really earthy, which makes total sense. But yeah, I'm a lot of earth signs. Very earthy. <laughs> and I, of course, like Holly said, am Leo sun sign. And I am Cancer Rising, which is also another term for Ascendant, and Cancer Moon. So fire and water, tis I. Yeah, and we both have that sun and then double Ascendant moon thing going on, which is cool. Yeah, that is cool. So yeah, that's kind of our astrological background, I guess. Yeah. And do you want to just start going through? I think the intro, like I already mentioned, intro talks a lot about shame. There are a couple of moments where I felt really choked up because he's such an effective writer yes if you've seen any of his like instagram tv videos or anything his voice is very prevalent in this book yeah and also if you're not following queer cosmos on instagram you need to now yes he's completely amazing and there's so much info there at any point it's so and his youtube tv videos are short and snappy and like just I think really illuminating. Mm-hmm. Like it's just kind of like a masterclass and what content creators could be doing on yes. Instagram because he's not adding a lot of fluff. He's walking into it, assuming that you have like some kind of low medium information mm-hmm. and just giving you more. It's really yeah. amazing. It, I mean, it, to me, I just attribute that to like his Gemini, like air sign, yeah. very quick to the point, very sharp, very intellectual, yeah. but able to like speak it to the world without it being confusing. But yeah, yeah, exactly. I love his content. The other thing is that he references a lot of both like astrological and non-astrological sources throughout. So if there's an area that you have additional like questions about as you're reading, there's almost certainly a footnote or some reference to some other author that you could read. One of the things that he talks about in the introduction, like I said, was about shame. But the other thing that he focuses on is the value of quality relationships. And then he has a footnote of a Forbes article about how our relationships impact our careers. Yes. And then he goes on to talk about how if it's understood that 
solid relationships impact so much of our day-to-day lives and shame prevents us from creating solid relationships for one reason or another, then we're impacting everything by not like digging deeply into releasing shame. Yes. The whole portion about shame was just so moving and so really, really impactful. So yeah, it was so good. He also goes this, you know, if you've listened to any of uh, of our other book reviews, this is something that I freaking love. I love it. When people tell me exactly what they're trying to do. Yes, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) And Colin does that. During the introduction, he says, each chapter references the character patterns of the Zodiac, carefully devoid of gendered constructions and heteronormative assumptions. I locate the meanings, experiences, behaviors, and mundane activities we all participate in that each sign has rulership over and how each sign's energy expresses itself in queer spaces. Since this book explores shame, too, I write about why each archetype is loved mm, it's so none cool. are loved more or less than the others since love is the only anecdote to feelings of powerlessness and isolation it is my prayer that readers feel a deeper sense of self-love and permission to honor the gifts they are divined to express that was one of the one <gasps> things that like really impacted me because we'll probably get to it later but sometimes there are signs that are like demonized or certain aspects yeah where like people shit on scorpio all, all the, the time. time and things like and there's like an aspect where my <laughs> venus is in virgo and venus in virgo is all the time like spoken negatively about like you're just a nagging person like that's how you love is by nagging people and i'm like excuse me <laughs> excuse me i do not you know like how dare you <laughs> yeah but, exactly but he's able to convey the same thoughts but in a positive unshameful way yeah totally like the, this is why this is what makes it a good thing, good thing. or a beautiful thing and this is what thing, the positive thing, thing is thing. and how you can actually use your gifts to uplift others and that is exactly something beautiful in this book yeah so before we move on to the next section i think that mentioning that it's probably a good idea to pull up your chart as you're reading this because there are a lot of moments even at the beginning where they're just talking about what each of the planets represents Mm -hmm. it's helpful for you to have your own chart near you so that you can be reminded of it and the other thing that i did because i have an actual hardback version is I went through with a highlighter and highlighted next to all of my signs. Yes. I had all of the different sections. Yeah. I highlighted in my ebook all mm-hmm. of my signs. Like, I, that's kind of where I went first, is highlighted all my stuff. And then as I was yeah. going through, I was able to kind of pinpoll, like, oh, this that's is That's how I, am. I did it too. Oh, Great minds think good alike. Team. <laughs> yeah. High five through the computer. <laughs> and then I also did all of Nathan's in a different color oh. because since there is such a focus on sort of like relational yes. astrology in this book, I wanted to. Be reminded about kind of like what it says about him. Yes, yes. Then the next, the queer, the how astrology works, queer constellations, how astrology works section walks through every different planet and what they represent. That's how it starts. And I thought that that was really helpful because a lot of the times people do kind of convey things like Venus and Mars as being really gendered. Yes. And so it was helpful to have language that did like disconnected the gendered language Mm -hmm. from these concepts. So for Venus, instead of it being like, you know, feminine, and this is about how you nurture people, it does mention that it's feminine principles, but it's focused on the magnetism, receptivity, and seduction and rules about how you cherish those around you rather than having that be linked with like womanhood or not. Yes. I really like this section. I've read quite a few. I would say probably even though I'm not an expert whatsoever. um, I've probably read like five astrology books. Probably is like my sixth or seventh. Mm -hmm. And I really like the way that he broke down 
the different planetary aspects. That was, I think, like, Venus is your values and romance. Um, the yeah. moon is your vulnerabilities and shame. I like those quick, short, succinct descriptions. Yeah. Because So what Esther's talking about is the actual format is the sign for the planet, which is really helpful to have that like right next to the yes. name of the planet, because that's something that's hard to remember for me. <laughs> yes. Then it says the planet name. And then it has two words that are like the context yes. of that planet. And then these beautiful long paragraphs about it. Yes. So I think that for me was helpful because whenever I'm trying to remember things or studying, I'm not going to remember like the moon is the flow of the earth and blah, all this like fluffy stuff that doesn't really matter. At the yeah. end of the day. I want to know like Saturn, your discipline and resilience, you know? Yeah. Go, go, yeah, you know? exactly. So I really like that. <laughs> There's also a funny moment because Colin's a really funny writer so and funny. really funny person. But for Pluto, he says, before you call NASA and report this book as a fraud, <laughs> Pluto is still a major player in astrology. I know, that was so good. So then she, there's a moment where he says, congratulations, you've nearly finished the most technical chapter of Queer Cosmos. <laughs> um, but then again, there's like also a really straightforward chart of what all the different houses are. I so, loved that chart. Yeah. So if you're looking at your, if you're, if you have, I think that uh, CoStar is on Android now too. Yes, but if is, you've yeah. downloaded the CoStar app, and you are looking at your chart, the CoStar chart is not a true chart. Mm-mm. It's a grid, like a graph of what everything is. But it is really helpful in this situation because it actually yes. tells you, like, your moon is in Taurus in this house. And mm-hmm. so the house thing is something that I feel like was the last thing that I understood mm-hmm. with astrology. And this is laid out, like, here is quick information about each of those houses. Yes. Which you can find elsewhere, but I also really liked it to be included here because Mm -hmm. I think that having a bunch of tables can feel super overwhelming, but having just a couple of really straightforward tables is easy to like reference when you're going through other stuff. Yes. And I thought his explanation about like what mutable signs were and things and cardinal signs, things like that. I thought that was a very good explanation of it because those are hard concepts astrologically for me to understand. So exactly. I really liked his explanation specifically because it kind of just like boiled it down to its like most edible self. And I yeah, was able exactly. to consume it. I really do feel like this was super well written for somebody who like really doesn't have much of a handle on it. Right. Like maybe has seen their chart, but doesn't ha- know anything. Else. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Okay, so the cool thing is that then it becomes a reference book for a little bit, and every uh, sign, starting with Aries and going through Aquarius, is listed with the time period, the modality, which is cardinal or mutable or whatever the other one is. (laughs) I was like, cardinal, mutable, immutable, unmutable. Unmutable. Partner. Flexible. No, just kidding. Partner. (laughs) Partner. Cardinal. See, that's a joke about our Lenormand deck that won't make sense to anybody else. (laughs) Although it's easy to explain. We kept trying to come up with synonyms for the word partner and only being able to come up with partner. The thing is, we would like, we would try to think and then we'd remember like, oh, partner. And then we wrote, no, partner is the name of the card. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And then we'd be like, okay, like spouse. Okay, maybe that's a little bit weird because it doesn't have to be a spouse. What about partner? (laughs) Fuck. so bad we were so tired it was like 25 minutes of us just continuously (laughs) offering up the suggestion of partner we were were like real life dories like forgetting everything and be like oh partner no we can't use partner nope (laughs) yeah and also the third one is fixed Fixed. just for future reference thank you (laughs) 
Uh, and then it also talks about the element and the ruling planet. But the cool thing about each section is that the actual archetypes are given or the actual signs are given archetypes. So Aries is the hero. Libra is justice. Leo is the sun god. Gemini is the speaker. Taurus is the lover, etc. And then it goes through every single planetary. So it gives a whole long few page explanation of the sign itself. And then it goes through every natal placement. So the natal placement is where is what it says on your sign. Cause your chart that you're, you're going to be looking at is your natal chart. Yes. So that's why Esther and I both went through and highlighted everything for ourselves. Because for example, my um, Venus is in Aries. And so I went into the Aries section. I read all about Aries and then I highlighted Venus and Aries so that I could keep that in mind as I was kind of going through the rest of the book. Oh, my Jupiter is also in Aries. I have two Aries placements. So it goes through all the different planetary placements. And then it tells you, gives you a list of like celebs who have the Which same. I thought was really, really sun. cool. Like that was so fun. Yeah. I thought it was really nice. It really is helpful because you can kind of see, I mean, obviously it's more complicated, more complex than that, but you can see a couple of like, well, especially like when you're starting out in astrology and after you've done all of your friends charts, you kind of want to know like, okay, well, what kind of like Rosie O'Donnell is an Aries. Like, so you can kind of pull up Rosie and see like, okay, so I want to study someone that's an Aries placement. So let me type in this name and get their chart. And so it's really nice fun to kind of like learn from this and also kind of see like who's shares birthday. Exactly. And the whole thing is done, obviously, because this is the premise of the book without bringing a lot of gender into it. And I think that, or gender essentialism, I guess, like gender expression can is mentioned a few times, but it's never like, like, that's the be all end all of mm-hmm. anything. I didn't really have anything that I specifically wanted to say about this section other than just that we highlighted or that I highlighted it to make it easier for myself because I'm not an astrology expert. So I'm just trusting him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, it sounds good to me. I like what he said. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and then the next big chunk is called Cosmic Love. And this is the part oh, that made so me good. the most excited to read because I was obsessed with this book in college called Sextrology. It's a textbook. It is giant. It's freaking gigantic. I'm showing it to Esther right now, like next to. It's like a ream of paper. Like, you know, like thickness. It's like a ream of paper. Yeah. Yeah. And so it came out in 2004 and my friend Cece was really into it. She's like my astro inspiration because she knew everything about astrology when we were like in high school. (laughs) And so I got this in college and. I used to love reading it to people because in in addition to doing those sort of like love connections, here's how these two people get along. There's also just a lot of really fun kind of like, like just hilarious sections. Right, right. Like there's for each sign, there's a list of straight turn ons and a list of gay turn ons. (laughs) But it's also which I always made me laugh so hard. And I used to like do that as a party trick. If people were ever in my dorm room, be like, let me read you your straight turn ons and just try to make people feel giggly and like laugh and stuff. But anyway, the problem with it is that even though it acknowledges like same sex relationships, it also is really, really gender essentialist. They don't talk about like non non conforming or non binary people. So while there is good stuff in it, that part really is a big flaw. And this book is way smaller, so it's more portable for on the go. Yeah. <laughs> and has some of those same things. It doesn't have the list of gay and straight turn ons that made me laugh so hard as a, for the second edition, Colin. Can you add that maybe? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
But I think that it's really wonderful because he starts off that chapter by saying that he passionately ascribes to the idea that every sign can be compatible with every other sign. Yes, I was going to quote that part because it was my favorite when I got it. Yeah, go ahead. Read it, girl. He says, so I'm going to let you in on a little secret that I passionately ascribe to, and I hope it puts your mind at ease. Every single sign is compatible with every single sign. When I say compatible, I don't mean that every partnership is easy, breezy, beautiful cover girl. When I think of compatibility, I'm thinking of energy between people that inspires but not guarantees the opportunity for the pair to learn how to love more deeply, authentically, and fearlessly. And I was like, yes. <laughs> it was so it's beautiful. It's so good. Yeah, it really is. And then they, he also talks about how he's not going to like in each compatibility section, he tries to break it into a really easily digestible amount of information. So he leaves out the relationships between the signs by that. I mean like the conjunct injunct sextile square trine, et cetera, like all of the sort of like relational aspects between the different planets, because that is always where it makes me lose the plot. Yes. I'm like, what, what are we doing? Why would we have extra symbols here? Why? Yeah, like I understand, I understand conjunct because that's just like opposite. But every, right? Isn't it? (laughs) You're asking, I've I've only read six books. I do not remember six books. So (laughs) yeah, I don't remember. Or are they next to each other? Yeah, they're next to each other. Conjunct is when they're, when the planets are right next to each other. Anyway, that's the part where it loses me. And so I was glad that he kind of got that out on the paper. There's another really, really helpful sort of chart um, of each of the dynamics, what their qualities are, and then a theorist who wrote about it and what their like work is. So another book or a Ted talk or whatever. So if you wanted to delve into any of those uh, dynamics between two planets in your chart, you could find more information, but it's not like the focus of this book. Exactly. Which again was just really nailing it because it would have been so easy to get bogged down and trying to be like, the be all end all of information. And I think that having a narrow scope and having the idea be that this is like about making it more relatable to queer identities and relationships means that he's not saying like, this is the only astrology book that you'll ever need to read. He's saying this is an astrology book that focuses on these specific things. And that was really effective. And that was really freeing as I was reading the book because so many times when you're reading astrology books, like you feel like you need to consume all the information to be able to understand everything. But here he's kind of being like, here's the information. If you want more information, you can go research yourself, but that we're not going to need all of this for what we're going to discuss next. Yeah. That was really freeing and like not shame giving in a way because like, you know, it was like freeing you from that expectation over yourself to understand all this stuff. Right. Like you don't need to get it now. Right. Like it's okay for you to keep learning without understanding that thing right now. Yes. Okay. The other, then they go, then he goes through all of the different signs. And I think that this brought up something that Teresa Reed, the tarot lady said in that astrology like day session, the class that Mm -hmm. I took with her, which is using astrology as like a guidebook for how to interact with people is the, is super, super helpful and effective. So rather than saying like, this is the way you are because of X, Y, and Z looking internally and saying, here's how I can relate to you because Mm -hmm. you have these placements. So the start of each of the relationship compatibility sections gives you three keywords about the sign and love. So Aries is one that we can both talk about because your partner is an Aries and my dad is an Aries. Okay. And so I see, you know, obviously he's my dad and he and my mom have been married for over 30 years. So I, some of these things like I can understand, Mm -hmm. but 
the Aries in love, the keywords are audacious, spontaneous, and direct. To honor an Aries in love, give them autonomy and distance, and to integrate mutuality and curiosity. So if you wanted to allow them to be on their own, you would just leave them alone. If you want to like integrate into their lives, you would be interested in their stuff and moving forward that way. Yes, yes. Which I thought was a kind of a cool way of looking at it, and to have that for each sign is really nice. So for Taurus dependable, protective, and sensual, to honor closeness and romance, to integrate transformation and depth. And that integration reminds me of, like, Nathan being willing to let me read his tarot cards. And, like, dig into that. Even though he doesn't really get it, he wanted to integrate into that by kind of being like, I see that you're going through this transformation, and I'll participate in that in some ways. Yeah. And for Leo, the three keywords are romantic, generous, devoted, to honor, um, I guess Leo's honor Leo's that kind of sounds weird I mean as, I mean I welcome it as the king of the jungle but I was know. gonna say the <laughs> only reason you feel weird about that is because you're like in some ways a very self-hating Leo you're like <laughs> Leo's are so obnoxious <laughs> it's all the cancer in me like I know exactly let, I'm let like, your Leo honor be honored me? a little okay. bit it's okay I'll take we it but it's it weird Taurus. sounding really weird <laughs> So, no, honoring Leo, you can honor Leo. Okay, Just okay. because Leo's desperate to be honored doesn't mean they don't deserve it's, it. It's there. It's, un- it's underneath a lot of ocean water. It's there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so to honor Leo, courage and confidence and to integrate change and deference. Deference? Dif- dif- yeah. Deference. Which makes me laugh so hard. <laughs> Being like, no, you go ahead. No. It's like the way to integrate with a Leo. <laughs> No, you go first. No, you go yeah, first. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so it goes through all of them. But uh, so we should read. So I, yeah, let's read the, um, do you want to do Taurus and Cancer? Because you identify more as Cancer or Taurus yeah. and Leo? Uh, I think I started crying when I was reading the Leo and Taurus. Okay. Because, so I took it as like the sections, even though it has like a Taurus and Leo, there's a repeat of Taurus and Leo. They're not the same definitions. Oh, really? No. So which one? So so the Taurus and Leo is, I think, written from the Taurus perspective. Oh, yeah, and yeah, And the yeah. Leo and Taurus is written from the Leo's perspective is kind of what I got. I may be wrong. But they, they mentioned similar things, but the one for Leo and Taurus is focused more on Leo aspects, if it makes any sense, which I thought was really smart. But yeah, um, that's a good idea. Don't second guess it. Don't backtrack because you're feeling Leo shame. (laughs) Okay. But anyway, so yeah, I think, but the reason that we're talking about this is because in a lot of ways, even just like partnerships, like I guess business partnerships, if that's what we are, like friendships that have kind of like a (laughs) A slight business. Yeah. Like like a a component of partnership beyond friendship. Like we're in cahoots with each other <laughs> why is it so hard for us to call this a business are you having shameful leo on yourself now? i know i guess so i'm like it's not a business it's we're sacred fun. creators like, holly for- yeah there you go we're sacred creators together <laughs> that makes it sound like we're trying to co-parent but in some ways we we're are co- we're cult our holly. little That's podcast baby so you want me to read the leo and taurus section okay mm-hmm. so leo and taurus powerful transformative dynamic so we have the same three words for both but i guess they just do a perspective shift so he starts the paragraph well uh, yeah it's it's, it's kind of long it's kind of a lot maybe we should just i may just do the first paragraph okay there you go because i think that will be like the intro okay where fire meets earth this sunset match is a breathtaking sight to see 
A square partnership <laughs> between two dynamically strong characters is sure to sustain the chemistry. In your fixed Earth Taurus, you found a self-possessed Venus-born bull whose values, passions, and interests are entirely their own. This security attracts you because it's self-generated, just like your fixed energy. The sensual bull discerned your fixed fiery enthusiasm for romantic pursuits, embodied pleasure, joy, and all forms of the creative arts. If you can first celebrate each other's differences and accept them in order for the authenticity of the dy- dynamic to unfold, love will be put into practice. And then there's like That's two awesome. more paragraphs of stuff. So it is- Yeah, I think the first paragraph is more relational and the second paragraph is a little bit more like sexual or something yeah it's kind of like more like how you can interact with each other and like maybe yeah. things that you'll run, like problems you'll kind of run into and like your strengths as a couple yeah totally yeah okay so then my taurus and leo from the taurus perspective it's still powerful transformative and dynamic and it says though taking different forms in the bull and the lion you can find similarities between this square match of alpha animals not only are you both fixed signs, you're fi- you as fixed earth and Leo as fixed fire, but you're loaded symbols of animalistic strength. So this square tension keeps the chemistry and gridlocked conflict strong. You fell in love with the Leo because the universe is inspiring you with the monarch's worthiness, confidence, courage, charisma, and power, whereas the courageous lion values your clarity of values. That's a lot of the word value. <laughs> They recognize the strength of your convictions and how these values keep you, keep you highly focused, trustworthy, and embodied in your whole self. This is how fixed energy respects other fixed energy. You can gently instruct the lion to invite others into their light and share their throne. Since you're more relational, the lion, on the other hand, will empower you to show up in the world and to your life with more confidence and worthiness. Love it. Yes. I never thought about the fact that we were two, like, very strong animals. I know. And fixed signs. <laughs> like, that did not occur to me either. <laughs> yeah. See, like but so when I was reading stuff. this section, I was also thinking that this could be a really good way to practice learning the signs and to utilize those astrology decks that all of us have. Like, yes. I can't stop buying them and I never know what to do with them. <laughs> but one thing you could do is pull out all of the signs and, like, shuffle and pull two and then read about the relational aspects between those two signs because... Just like like reading combinations of cards can deepen your understanding of tarot cards, reading combinations of signs gives you deeper understanding of both of those signs. Yes. Yes. And because it's so natural to always focus on your own. Like, mm-hmm. I know how Tauruses interact with most other signs. Yeah. But it's so easy to get trapped in that area. So it might be helpful to, like, pull two and see what they are so that you break out of that. Like, for example... This is Virgo. I just pulled Virgo and Pisces. Oh. I don't even think I know any Pisces. No, you do. Rachel's a Pisces. Oh, yeah. Rachel's a Pisces. <laughs> so then you could flip to that section, to the Virgo section, and look up their relationship with Pisces, and then that could give you some more clarification about both. And mm-hmm. I think that that's, like, kind of a cool exercise. Yeah. I mean, and this wouldn't be Wiley Tarot Book Club without cards i mean exactly exactly let's get our name almost (laughs) yeah we're a book club we have to do cards (laughs) but also i'm using for that at where's my freaking box what is this deck called it was tina gongs right (laughs) yeah claves astrologicae de iris sacra by tina gong it rolls right off the tongue yeah (laughs) it totally sounds like an astrology deck it is and actually i was looking through it and it's really cool because she all of the um, signs don't have borders. Oh. And then the uh, planets have blue oh. borders. Like little the houses have red borders. Okay. 
And there are different patterns, too. And then the moons all are on dark backgrounds. So it's really actually oh, super easy yeah. to flip through and separate things yeah. so that you can do, like, various readings on the, in that style. Oh, that's cool. But anyway, Virgo and Pisces, completion, romantic compromise. And it says, as, as above, so below, or on earth as it is in heaven, this polarity dynamic is magnificent as it represents the very middle and very end of the zodiac. On earth, you have your mercurial romantic strategies, finding acts of service, tenderness, and thoughtfulness as the best bids for connection. In heaven is your descendant of Neptune, Pisces. Sorry, there was a comma there that I lost. It's like, what's Neptune, Pisces? Okay. A potentially unconditionally loving soul who's in this world, but not of it, and who loves so generously and divinely. You're the opposite ends of the veil. Yet, with all polarity dynamics, you're both magnetically drawn to each other because of your mutable earth container is just the right vessel for their mutable water power. Aww. So that's really interesting, too, because I guess I wasn't thinking about what I know about Pisces and Virgo. Yeah. But those are two that, if asked, I would say that there was going to be conflict. Yeah. That they wouldn't be well matched because Virgo is so rational and Pisces is so ethereal. Mm-hmm. And so if you asked me, I would say, ah, oh, that might be a little bit hard. Yeah. But then he goes into it and says, like, these are the traits that you can really find in each other that would make it a successful partnership. Yes. And I think that's especially helpful because so many times when you're in astro groups and people are like, well, what about, you know, like a Scorpio and a Gemini? Like, how would they be as a couple? And people are like, well, this person's trash or like, these are bad things. It's always, yeah. it always spirals into negative balls. And so that's what I like about this is that it doesn't spiral. It focuses on the positive aspects of these signs that you can kind of focus your energy on these things as they couple together. And I really exactly, like that. Exactly. Exactly. And we did, I didn't even like read the second whole paragraph, which gives even further clarification and information oh, yeah. about that. Yeah. So it's just awesome. And it goes through all of the sign combinations and I just really appreciate how like loving and shame, like the shame freeness thing yes. is just like really, really important. I think it's so good. It's and then so the cool great. thing. So that I guess we're like to the last section. Mm-hmm. Oh man. I loved this book so much. I seriously whipped through it. Yes. And I'm going to keep it so close at hand because I just find it. It's just a good, reference. really helpful. Yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, the last section is all interviews with other queer folks that he, I assume is friends with. Yeah. I, th- I think in some way or is met in, in some aspect. Yeah, and he starts it with saying, as a white, cisgendered, able-bodied gay man, I do not speak for the entire queer continuum within a community that tries to incorporate inclusivity, visibility, and representation for all. I felt it was crucial to have a range of intersectional voices share how astrology helps them with self-identification, acceptance, and relational success. Yeah. And this part, there were, I have so many bookmarks. It's like what? 20 pages? It's not very long at all. It's Yeah, it's like 20 pages. Well, 28 pages, almost 30 pages. And there were so many moments where my breath was completely taken Mm -hmm. away. Yeah. So it's it's really beautiful. It's so gorgeous to hear from all these people. Um, It's amazing to, like, be able to read their words and kind Mm -hmm. of, like, sit in their space with them. And... Um, some of them are true interview style, like question, answer back and forth. And some of them are like personal essays without those questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I found both of them equally successful. Yes. Um, in the first interview, it is with Christina Mui, 
who's Pisces rising, Sagittarius sun, and Aries moon. Um, they are a spirit living in a queer, cisgendered, female, Asian American body. And uh, um, they say, oh, I this was I I put an exclamation point next to this because I really feel like this is kind of the basis of the whole entire thing. When asked, how can astrologers provide helpful resources to queer consumers? They say, simply providing a safe space for exploration and curiosity. Astrology can be a powerful tool tool for self-knowledge and healing. So inviting queer voices into the conversation and making diversity and inclusion the bottom line is important. Yeah. I really liked that. Yeah, I did too. And all these people just talk about how astrology has helped them, how it helps them in relation to other people, why having something that isn't sort of gender essentialist is important talking about human identity rather than gender identity mm-hmm. as sort of the focus. He asks everyone about loneliness too. Yeah. I and mean, it's like the interview style. That part was like incredibly touching. Yes. And the, yeah, the interviews were just so strong. Is there any, uh, anything you wanted to point out about any of the interviews? No, I don't think so. I think it was interesting, like reading it from the aspect of what their astro sign was. Because, yeah, like, was, I loved that when, too. Like, and so it was interesting to see that aspect come out in them as well as myself, and so or um or with like friends that I know, like with Capricorn. Like my husband has a Capricorn moon, and reading that interview where it was like a, a triple Capricorn of everything. You know, reading- I know. I was like, <laughs> I was like, whoa, that's intense. That's and then intense. I was like, wait, I have a double Capricorn. I'm like not that much less Capricorny. <laughs> so I just I thought that was really interesting, like being able to read it from that perspective. Yeah, as well. like kind of getting insight in how the reflection in the mirror is a little different in this person because of their other signs, but yet the same. You know what else would be a good resource if you enjoyed doing that is the um, Becoming sorry becoming Dangerous book, that anthology that Weiser published. Oh, yes. Because it's it focuses a lot on intersectional queer identities and their experience with coming to witchcraft. Mm-hmm. And many, many people in that have expressed their astrological signs. Yes, yes. And so that would be a cool thing. If you enjoyed that, like picking up the different sort of aspects of somebody's personality while knowing what their signs are, I think that that would be a good, maybe I'll send that to you because I've already read it. Maybe I'll send that to you in my next box. So then, yeah. Oh, there was one other thing that I just wanted to quote. It's the very last paragraph in the entire book. Uh, And I think it sums it all up like a lot, kind of Mm -hmm. what his mission was. And then also what I felt like I got out of it, even as somebody who is not part of the LGBTQI plus community, Mm -hmm. this still was like really, really uh, incredibly uplifting book to me. And he ends the book with saying, employing astrology as a complementary tool for self-acceptance, compassion, care, and relational intelligence gives queer identified folks the chance to be seen and understood accurately, free from major culture. With this framework, we can let the stardust in our soul come to life. It has to. We need it to, since our chart is the temple of our soul, where we come to understand that we are made of stories, stars, myth, and magic. Yeah. this The whole last section is like a benediction, kind of using the colors of the pride flag and it was just really beautiful and like he's saying goodbye in such a precious way and he's just so good it's just so good so (laughs) i'm so glad that we were approached about this when we first were we obviously immediately was like we're like yeah we love colin of of course we want to look at this book 
But then, you know, the doubt creeps in as somebody who's not part of the community that it was written for. Like, we can't speak for how the LGBTQ plus community is going to receive this. But as an ally and as somebody who cares deeply about these issues, Mm -hmm. it it struck so many chords just about kind of like that authenticity and Mm -hmm. sort of breaking free of the structures of patriarchy and like kind of being trapped in these dualities that don't have to exist. And he created this astrological world, or I guess filters out the frustrating parts of that astrological world to make a situation where it feels really encompassing and safe and loving. Mm -hmm. And I think that he just completely nailed it. And I loved this book. Yes. I think this is the the first and probably only like astro book that I've, or maybe even like metaphysical book that has felt like home, if that makes any sense. Like this has made like a place for you no matter who you are, no matter what journey you've been on, this book is like going to be the first book that I would recommend for a person who's interested in astrology. Yeah, totally. You know, because it does such a good job stripping away those shameful things and those paradigms that we've been like confined by all of our lives. Like the patriarchy, the religious stuff, you know, it strips that away and just goes down to the basics. And he says, it basically like, I see you. I love you. Here's how you could love others. And in addition to that, he also strips down some of the more jargony things that can feel gatekeepery. Like not that people who talk about houses and trines aren't attempting to be gatekeepers, but it is jargon that can feel really exclusive. Yes. If you're not like constantly studying astrology. Mm-hmm. So by taking a lot of that out and saying, here are other resources that you can access if you want more information about these things, but then going into sort of the relational components that we f- as humans feel towards each other, it was so effective in making it feel like, I don't need to know everything yeah. to know some things. Yes. And I thought that was really awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This is such a good book. So, so, so good. So thank you, Colin Bedell. And thank you, Cleese Press, yeah. for sending this to us. Yeah, I appreciate it so much. It was really good. I mean, I was, yeah. when he mentioned, like, on Instagram, he was publishing, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to buy this one and blah, blah, blah. And then when they approached us, I was like, what? Like, yeah, true. (laughs) Well, that was our first episode of Wildly Tarot Book Club in which we talk about books that are not tarot books. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, because both Holly and I are always reading. And so, yeah, hopefully that the truth. You enjoyed our little off topic little book club. Yeah, and please do let us know. You can email us at wildlyterrapodcast at gmail.com. You can join our Facebook group by searching Wildly Tarot Podcast on Facebook. You can send us an Instagram DM at Wildly Tarot Podcast. You can send a carrier pigeon. I don't care. Yep. Come knock on my front door. No, don't come knock on my front door. <laughs> I don't come want that to happen. Knock on my door. <laughs> do we have anything else to add other than no just i don't love think you? so just go buy this book it's really good and it's going to be helpful for your astrology like little passion and little journey, yeah so totally exactly all right we love you we love you so much <laughs> have a great day bye <laughs>